Welcome back to Beyond the Studio. My name is Gayatri Sobrian, and I'm really excited to have you here today. Um, I'm also really excited for our guest today, Mr. Brandon Williamson. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm great. Fantastic. Great. Yay. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'm so excited that you're here today because, um, you know, we met last year on the set of a production. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, yes, we have to get together somehow, work together in some capacity, but also just like, I want to, I want to talk to you because you were like the life of the party. <laughs> <laughs> you really were, you really were. I mean, you held your own with, um, with the acting and everything that you were doing, but also like you showed some moves, like you were dancing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's funny. I, I, um, it's it's a fun thing for me just to be active to just do think do different things and so like it, I I don't have any like dance experience or I do have acting experience obviously that's where my background is um, but I've always been that person that is that will dive headfirst into something new something different and just just kind of I don't want to say take life by the horns but like you know if there's a moment you got to have it you got to make it you got to take it so yeah I, I enjoyed it. Um, I really enjoyed doing the dance. The dance was fun, and I'm a I'm a quick learner, so I just you are watch all the things around me. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, you held your own with Megan. That's that's a lot right there. That's amazing. <laughs> well, you see, that's why I was so excited to ask you to be a part of this and to you know share a part of who you are with our listeners. Um, so I'm really excited to dive into this conversation with you. But mm -hmm. before we do all that, um, I like to do a quick check in. Um, and kind of tuning in is what I call it. So I invite you as well as our listeners to gently close your eyes. If not, you can lower your gaze and place both hands on heart center and start to settle in. Listening to, the, to your heartbeat, noticing the rise and fall of your chest and drop the shoulders away from the ears Slightly separate the lips, relax the jaw, and take a deep breath in, holding it at the top for four, three, two, one. The exhale, holding it at the bottom. For four, three, two, one. One more, just like that. Inhale, holding it at the top for four, three, two, one. We exhale, holding it at the bottom for four, three, 
two, one. Letting go of anything prior to coming into the space together. Letting go of anything that you have to do after. Just being in the present moment. And exhale. Gently releasing the hands from heart center. And at your own time, at your own pace, slowly open the eyes. So it is. No. Welcome you back. <laughs> How do you feel? I feel good. Awesome. You mentioned that you went for a walk earlier. I did. Um, yeah. Drove out to Lockport to uh, do a little walk um, along the trail that connects um, Western New York all the way to New York City. And it's, it's, it's like every time we go out there, we explore just a little further, go a little little bit deeper into it, a little further, but we're going the opposite direction. So I think we're going more towards, we're, it's, it's right along the Erie Canal, actually. That's that's why it's out there. It's right along the Erie Canal. So you're just walking along okay. and the locks there activated. So the water's really low. Oh, wow. I'm going to have to go take that walk out there. Maybe not the walk all the way to New York City. I'll just do the drive. <laughs> <laughs> but that does sound really exciting to actually like, you know, have a trail that goes from Western New York all the way down to New York City. That's amazing. It is. Yeah, so thanks, is. thanks for sharing that with me. I did not know that was happening. Mm -hmm. That's pretty cool. Do you like to hike? Um, I like exploring. And so if I'm someplace that's nature related, nature bound, so if I'm in the woods and doing hikes like that, I absolutely love it. Um, I will climb tree well climb trees but i'll climb like hills and climb over trees and walk along streams that lead to waterfalls all that stuff i absolutely love um when it comes to just kind of doing regular walks not as much but it's still good it's still it's still good for me um when you're walking along kind of kind of like a flat trail you know it takes the it, it's not as it's not a challenge for me and i, mm. I like challenges and so you like challenges i was just um, gonna say it sounds like you're you like challenges yeah, I do. I'm a bi I'm big on challenges. I'm big on um, just the feeling of, and I think this comes with video games as well. The feeling of accomplishment when you finally when you get something done, and you feel like you know mm -hmm. what? Yeah, I did that, and now I'm ready to take on the next challenge and the next challenge, and so on and so forth. So you sound like a good player from Monopoly. <laughs> you know, I have never played a Monopoly game that I haven't finished. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I'm competitive. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yep, I kind of grew up also with like a whole bunch of competitive people. So yeah, mm -hmm. Monopoly is like the game for us in our family. <laughs> yep, and usually in most times it ends up with the flip board and pieces all over the place. Like I'm done. <laughs> Sounds about right. Yes. Yep. So Brandon, tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, we know that you like hiking and exploring, mm -hmm. but um, tell us a little bit about you as an artist. Uh, so I am from Buffalo. I'm born and raised here in Buffalo. Um, and I am my primary art as of right now. Actually, I, can, I can't really even say that I have a primary art. Um, what I am, when, the art that I'm developing and growing and honing, working on now is primarily spoken word. Um, so spoken word, poetry, um, performance poetry, or as some people consider it, slam poetry as well. Um, 
And also my background is in theater. So I have an acting background, um, but even further before that, I was always um, big in music. My father was a music teacher. So I grew up in the house of music. And then, you know, I was kind of walking the same footsteps as my father. And then I figured I kind of branch off and go my own way. And I figured I, and I had a love for, I had a knowledge of music but I had a love for the stage. I had a love for being on stage. I had a passion for being in front of an audience and putting on a show. Um, even from my early get day, my early days of elementary school when I was singing Johnny Be Good and falling off stages and making everyone laugh. Um, to, so I ended up going down the path of theater instead. Um, and I ended up going to college for theater at Fredonia. And um, actually, Actually, this was kind of the, this was my telling point in my art. I actually went to college for music therapy initially mm -hmm. at Fredonia. And then second semester junior year, I decided to go with my passion, which was theater. So I jumped over to theater really late in my college years and went through the entire theater program in a year and a half. Um, wow. And then from there, I, I, I kind of bounced out and dove into the world of theater, which I was already involved in before, but I was actually able to contribute more um, in the world of theater since then. Um, then since graduating from college, I was involved with Ujima Theater, but also I kind of started to dive into this world of writing, this world of spoken word and um, poetry um, by being exposed to Deaf Poetry Jam on HBO. And I said, wow, I feel like I can do that. And so, I, I like the idea of taking transfer, transitioning from telling someone else's story to being able to tell my own in the same kind of stage setting. And um, that was what drove me to dive into the world of spoken word and poetry. Although I had no connections or no context or anything like that, I just started writing. And then a handful of doors just opened for me and I, I managed to get to where I am now. So, wow. yeah. <laughs> so you also do acting though, right? You also yeah. do acting as well? Yes, um, I'm, still, I'm still involved in acting. Um, I do, I actually just did something theater related, I wanna say about a month and a half ago. Um, obviously besides typography, um, the show that we were in together. Um, I was in a show a couple of years ago called Parade. I was involved with Ujima Theater even before I went into college. I was taught by uh, Lorna C. Hill, who was my theater mentor and the person who helped, my, helped me find my poetic voice as well. Um, and um, basically that was the origin of my theater and I've been doing that pretty much ever since. So whether it's for the stage or sometimes if it's for the screen, um, I did a, I did a uh, show with those, the ones who recorded our typography show. Um, yeah. I did a uh, short movie scene with one of, with one of them and uh, mm -hmm. they recorded it and so on and so forth. So yeah, I'm still, I'm still diving into both worlds. Wow. So busy. So busy. How do you find balance in all of the things that you do? There's no such thing. Uh, <laughs> there's no such thing as balance. There's, um, the, the challenge, this is, this is what I wrestle with constantly, um, is finding that balance or finding some semblance of it. Um, because my life as of right now is completely out of balance when it comes to work, life, and you know play, if you will. Um, mm having seen that I work at Fredonia now, I work at the college and I work in college recruiting. So I drive out there, I commute there every day. 
Um, so that's a good 45 to 55 minutes. Um, and then I get off around five-ish, 4.35-ish. So I don't get back to Buffalo till about six. And then usually your afternoon events and your evening events, if we're having rehearsals or we're having, you know, events or things like that, usually start around 6, 6.30 or so. So I have time to run home, change clothes, or just go straight to the event. And then I spend my evening there and then I come home. Like by the time I get home, it's usually about 10 o'clock, 10.30, maybe 11. And I usually don't go to bed until one, one, one o'clock in the morning. And I wake up again at six, 6.30 to do it again. Um, and it, it is actually, I feel like high school has prepared me for this because this is exactly how high school was for me, um, where I would, you know, hop on the bus and go to high, go to school. And then I'll go straight from there to go to football practice because I played one year of high school football because I didn't know I could play for other schools because my school didn't have a football team. Then um, I go straight from there to the theater and I'd be a part of the show and then go straight from the theater, um, get home around 11 o'clock and then go to bed, wake up and do it again. And my Teachers always ask me, they, they stopped asking me if I did my homework because they know I didn't. I did not do my homework in high school at all. Um, and that's why I was a solid 88 student. And they're like, you could have done so much better if you just did your homework. I was like, I honestly just don't have time. <laughs> and my life now is a, it's a it's that it's 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 running from place to place um, and trying to trying to find moments for myself. And that's where my balance, that's where my imbalance is, is taking time for myself. So in those efforts, when I'm in these places, when I'm at rehearsals and things like that, I try to make moments. I try to make my own moments that I can remember. I try to, you know, if I can step away and take time for myself, I will. But if I'm in a space, I'm gonna, my biggest thing is trying to actively be in the space that I'm at because I was mm. something I, I was not able, I was not good at before. I, people always said that it always seemed like I was somewhere else. Um, it's like, I always, it seemed like I wanted to be somewhere else. And sometimes like I, I burn out, I do burn out. And um, then what happens is when I am having one conversation, you'll see me looking up this way while I'm having the conversation with you, my mind is already gone somewhere else. And I've actively had to give, put forth the effort to like, actively be present where I am and appreciate the moment that I'm in and the people that I'm in it with. Cause I'm, I, yeah. I find that I do a disservice with the people who are around me, who I am, who I don't actually spend the time with. So. Mm, mm, that's such an important topic though. And I think um, when I first, when I first started the podcast, um, that moment of us tuning in mm -hmm. and checking in with one another um, to bring us into the present moment, was really what I wanted, um, not only for myself, because, you know, I have three kids and my brain is always mm -hmm. out there <laughs> listening for them um, and anticipating certain things for them, but also for, for my guests, from the listeners to be more present in what we are discussing and what we're trying to do. So maybe, um, you know, just something to think about you know you have like that beautiful hour driving what <laughs> is it what is it that you do during that time other than drive um well it depends if it's if it's the driving into work it is me kind of it's me waking up and mentally preparing for the day and sometimes it's music sometimes if i'm writing i'm out i may be you know um dictating some things onto an electronic device while I'm driving on the highway um, that I can use for a poem or ideas 
and things like that. So my mind kind of, my mind kind of either finds rest or my mind takes the time to like write out, you know, if I have any kind of inspiration, usually it happens during that drive um, mm -hmm. into work going in in the morning. And that's also when you're kind of appreciating the sunrise um, and there's no real traffic and so on and so forth. The drive home in many cases, it is me listening to music and decompressing from the day, trying my mm -hmm. best to decompress from the day and um, you know, I, I'll blast something and like kind of like have some fun with it and also stopping to get gas and yelling at the traffic around me. Um, <laughs> because that is also a common thing for me as well. Um, you have a little road rage? A little bit, a little bit. I, 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 I developed this road rage back when I was driving standard. I was driving a stick shift and in my head, I was just saying, I am working entirely too hard for you all to be doing this nonsense around me. And so um, it was it was one of those kind of things. So I, um, it, it's usually like when at the end of the day, it's me wanting to get home because I feel like I'm gonna be able to rest or, you know, kind of shake off the day when I get home, but also knowing that I have to get to the next place, but I'm not mentally in the next place until I get there. So the ride home mm -hmm. is just me kind of enjoying the time um and if i if i do get some inspiration i'll try to record it in my line graveyard on my phone um and listen to music like my album i was uh i have an album that i'm releasing on what uh april 1st um and it was a lot of these commutes were me listening to it over and over and over again to see if i could find things that i could tweak and fix and everything like that um but that usually works a lot better driving home than it does driving into fredonia so so tell us about your album then. Oh yeah, it's called The Plot Twist. And um, it's, a, it's, a, it's my first music album. I have a poetry album that's already out on Spotify and um, all the streaming things. And that's like poetry and music mixed, but this one is just music. So um, it was, it, it is one of my, what I call hashtag products of quarantine um, <laughs> or products of a pandemic when you, know, <laughs> you have so much time at your house. And so I took time with, you know, all of my tools and yeah. instruments that I have, I have. I see um, instruments. Yeah, I, I, I took the time and using the most bass, like I garage band, like editing software for music, I just, I started creating music. And at first I was, I was, I was just creating the music itself just to kind of have fun with it. Then I said, all right, maybe I'll write something for it. And then before you know it, I have a nine track album um, called the plot twist that uh, features like a, sp a splash of this is hip hop. There's like an R and B kind of rock R and B alternative kind of vibe to it as well. Um, so it's it's a lot of different genres in there within. Like there's a song called Heroes and Villains where I'm singing a story about um, you know they hate to say there's all this fair and love and war, and I say kind of like um, heroes and villains have the same kind of thing. They both want the same thing, but they go about it differently kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's, it's fun. It's, it's a good mm -hmm. album, a lot of good um, upbeat, positive kind of energies and vibes. And you get to hear me singing a lot. Wow. And I had my this rock exciting. Kind of vibe too. It was fun. It was fun. This is exciting. I'm really happy for you. That's amazing. Thank you. Yeah. So uh, um, April 1st, right? April 1st. Yeah, so you, you said your father was a music teacher. And so growing up, was there a particular instrument that you were drawn to or that he wanted you to learn? 
a piano, a keyboard. So we had a piano in the house um, and he, I let, he gave me one piano lesson. And then from there I said, okay, I can figure this out. <laughs> and I figured like one key was higher than the next one, which is higher than the next one. And so it was kind of, it got a little easier for me. I was like, okay, all right. Yeah. All right, now I know how this works. And so then from there, I, I, um, I took, of course, I went to performing arts for music, so it helped. But um, my primary instrument was actually my voice. So I was a singer um, at performing arts and I kind of grew up there, but I already had an understanding of the keyboard. And anytime you're learning music theory, learning the keyboard is usually the easiest way to go. Um, and yeah, so from there, I was able to take his like his his bass lesson of teaching that to me, and also he was my music teacher in elementary school. Um, so it it kind of it everything kind of grew into what it is today. So then I took that and I was able to translate it into other instruments and figure out how they worked and um, being able to um, really just see what sounds right. So I may not have like I mean I do have classical training in like voice and vocal music I don't have it in like guitar or I don't have it in like bass or anything like that I just have it in voice and and, and somewhat piano but um yeah having him having him seeing him as the music teacher and minister of music at my church and you know so on and so forth um it you you can see what you can do with it and so at that point I was very um mimicky so I could mimic what he does and then I kind of once you once you copy something, you start to understand it a little bit more. And that's yeah. when I was able to dive into that world. So wow, that's so interesting. I didn't I actually didn't know that you sang also. So that's I really know. amazing. Well, I tried <laughs> to sing solo because I, I, I'm more of a bass, I'm more of a lower register singer. So I sing in the <laughs> basement. But um <laughs> but I I do. I I I can hold a note. <laughs> yeah, you see, I mean, I mean, there's so many hats that you wear, it seems. I mean. <laughs> We're joking about and literally <laughs> exactly uh, so i actually wanted to talk a little bit about your endeavor of um being the founder of pure ink poetry slam mm -hmm. so tell us a little bit about how that came about and who you target like what what's your audience okay so when pure ink first started the it, it started out of a vacuum and what happened was um, there was, there's a spot, there's a place down on the east side of Buffalo called the Empty Coffee Cup. And um, they used to host a poetry open mic every single Tuesday um, for however long you can ever remember. I believe it ran for about 10 years. Um, and if you wanted to have, if you wanted to share a poem, if you wanted to especially like try to get into some kind of like spoken word market or like find your voice, this was the place that you wanted to do it. You go there, you read your poem and people are like, yeah, that was that was great. And then you're like, okay, cool. I could keep going and so on and so forth. Um, that was actually where I first started performing when I first started, when I first came in um, to Spoken Word. Um, I, a guy named Intari, Intari Ali Galt, he taught me, uh, he brought me into the world of Empty Coffee Cup and the world of poetry and slam and so on and so forth and introduced me to that world. Um, and then in November of 2011, um, they said, this is our last, this is our last event. This is our last time we're mm -hmm. doing this. And so, you know, I, it, 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 I felt like it left a hole in like the entire 
community. And so instead of waiting for someone else to come in and create something to do it, you'd be the change you want to be, be the change you want to see, right? So um, I said, okay, you know what? Then it's time for me to step up. And so I, instead of doing an open mic, which I mean, open mics are great. I'm not a big, big fan of open mics. I love the slams because they're a different element. They add they add extra spice to your spoken word in the sense that with a slam, um, it, it forces the people to listen to the poem because mm-hmm. you have judges who are judging the poem and they want to make sure the judges are getting it right. So people tune in because they feel like the stakes are higher and it's a lot more fun. You have that competitive side. And also it can build us an element of competition and camaraderie amongst the poets and performers as they come in as well. So um, instead of creating an open mic, I figured I wanted to try something different and do a slam because I didn't, because Buffalo didn't have any slams at that, at that time. And so um, I went and printed out scorecards. Um, I went to the place to get them laminated. I cut them out and pierced them one by one, bought the three ring binders and ripped out the outside edges and put the rings <laughs> in and I created the scorecards and I created like um, Jules created like the, uh, she created the um, the flyer and like the image and I started creating the events and the website and put the word out. And it's kind of like Field of Dreams. If you build it, they will come, was my they thought. Will come. Um, <laughs> and so we opened in January of 2012, uh, January, I believe it was January 11th or 12th. It was a Wednesday because um, I also went to a couple of venues and asked if I could host a poetry slam in their venue um, and do it weekly. And some of them were like, we don't know what that is. So no, <laughs> so like, ouch, okay. But Merge on Delaware was a restaurant, it was a vegan restaurant. Um, I love Merge. <laughs> yeah, uh, they were like, yeah, you know what? That sounds really cool. Um, are you willing to come in on Wednesdays to do it? We're like, absolutely, let's do it. And so we started at Merge. And we spent yeah. our first, I want to say, two years at Merge. Um, and we did it every, we did it once a month on the first Wednesday of the month. Um, and then from there, it we just kind of, we grew. The very first one, we had a lot of people. We had news coverage. I mean, everything. And we had yeah. five poets. <laughs> and then the next one, it was like significantly fewer people, but like 15 poets. And so it, 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 it always went in flux. And so eventually, um, yeah, ultimately I created Pure Inc., um, to be a to be a platform for people to share their stories, to share their voices, and for it to be kind of a, kind of a doorway. It, I it grew much bigger than I intended it to grow um, because ultimately I wanted to keep it in something that I could sustain. Um, just just like uh, I wanted to be a slam. I wanted to be this thing that you always know is here, kind of like the New York Poets Poets Cafe in New York City. They don't really do too much outside of what they do, but you know where the New Eureka Poets Cafe is, you know when they have their events, it is that staple, it's that cornerstone, and that's what it does. Um, but it grew, it grew much bigger, much faster than even I anticipated. Um, and that was also with the help of uh, Bianca McGraw, who was um, who was a good business partner of mine, who we, she, I uh, brought her in as we moved into our new location. and. Um, you know, she had that business sense that she's like, listen, this thing is growing and we're going to turn it into a brand. And, it, and we did. And, um, you know, all of that, all of that kind of grew into a much bigger, 
um, brand than even I anticipated. And now we kind of went our separate ways. And now my goal is to maintain what we created. My, main, my goal is to maintain what we have. Um, and so Pure Ink, now we went on the national circuit. We, we became a national slam, um, which was something I was reluctant to do. Uh, but Rudy Francisco and Sheehan Van Cleve actually talked me into it um, in Toronto, and I I didn't want to I don't I didn't want to do it because I figured it would bring an air of toxicity within the community. It would bring a a bad competitive nature because now people are trying to make the national team, and since they're trying to make the national team, they're gonna try to push others down to you know go forth and do that. And I, but I went with it. And I figured it was on me to try to keep everything as light and keep everything as consistent as we possibly could. And so we did. And we are now ranked ninth in the country. Um, That's um, amazing. Yeah. And it's, it's the creativity that Buffalo has. It's the creativity of the community. And, you know, you go to a lot of different poetry events and poetry slams and you hear a lot of different voices but they all kind of sound similar it was something about the way that we perform our poems here in buffalo that just popped that stood out and we went on a lot of runs and like we had a lot of great slams where we just kind of clean house um and the thing i always say and it's the last thing i'll talk about say about it the thing i always say when it comes to uh poetry slams is a poetry slam is a poetry slam is a poetry slam is a poetry slam no matter where you are, whether you're here in Buffalo, if you're over in Portland, if you're in New York City, or if you're down in Berlin, the Poetry Slam is the same no matter where you go, as long as they follow the Poetry Slam rules. The difference is are the people that you're in it with. It's the people mm -hmm. you're sharing the moment with, the stories that you're hearing, the stories that you're telling, um, and the people you're telling the story to. That's what makes the Poetry Slam what it is. And that's why, for example, for the judges, have you been to a Poetry Slam? No, I haven't. No? Okay, I'm gonna, so... I'm going to yeah. have to come out. You, you, should, you definitely should. And so the Poetry Slam, it, it's, it's a competition, of course. It's a, it's a competition that is judged by five random members of the audience every single time. So there are no poetry professionals. There are no, like, you know, academics, so on and so forth. It is just five random people who happen to show up that day. And so that's what makes it what it is, is that your poem has to, on this particular night, your poem could really resonate with those five people and be like, wow, that was great. The very next day with a different crowd, they'd be like, I didn't like that at all. And yeah. it could be entirely different every time. And that's the variable um, of slam. That's the, that's the variety of slam. And that's the fun that. of slam as well. So you go to different areas and you kind of get a feel for the audience and you play the chess match, but also know that you're playing a chess match with your other competitors and it's a lot of fun. Um, and yeah, then from there you get, uh, you get national stages and um, then from there you build relationships. And ultimately all it really is meant to do, it's intended for us to come together and to be able to build relationships with other cities. So, um, so that I can go to Portland now and say, hey, I'm coming to Portland. Is there a stage I can perform on? They're like, yeah, we love you. Come on up and perform on this stage. And you can build a poetry tour that way. Um, that's and that's how a lot of people do it. I like it. I like it. I mean, I know a lot of poets in the Buffalo area, but mm -hmm. I haven't actually been to them. Uh, poetry slam. So yeah, I'm gonna have to come out. I'm gonna have to come out. Actually, can you can you share with our audiences a little bit? Sample. Let them sample a little bit of some of your stuff. Oh, poetry. Yeah. Um, yeah. Give me a second. Let me see. Um, if 
I were to sample a poem, let me see. Take your time, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I have a, uh, I have a, a list here. Let me see if there's anything I can do that is pretty, okay. All right. Um, When I was in third grade, I used to have visions of the future. Diagnosed as a nine-year-old imagination, my visions eventually transformed into repeating scenes of my parents' death. Realizing that they can't just brush this off as unimportant, much like we do black trauma, I was taken to a, I was taken to a therapist who taught me the art of detachment, erecting a wall between yourself and the people you care about in order to function, in order to survive. We never got to the end of the lesson. The board game on the shelf caught my eye. Battleship, a teachable moment. He taught me how to play. You build a wall between yourself and your opponent. You set your ships, shoot your sh shot, and survive. And it sounded a lot like masculinity at the time. Battleship, a game of virility with a secret. See, I realized the more ships I had on the board, the more likely they are to become a liability. So I remove all the other ships from my fleet. I call it security. It's less likely that life will hit something that is near and dear to me. Detachment is convincing myself that I'm doing it for their protection. I've been told that I see the world through sunshine and rainbows. And isn't that just as masculine to experience so much negativity in the world that when a moment is mildly gentle with me. I decide to bask in it, to consider it Novocaine. And in this game, we in this game, we see the world through rose-colored glasses. You can't tell the difference between a hit or a miss. And that kind of ignorance is bliss. Detachment teaches you this: that even if you lose, this life is just a game that you can dismiss. So how can you ever learn to heal when the pain from each hit starts to feel real? Masculinity is playing a game of battleship in front of an audience putting on a show like you know exactly what you're doing when every decision is really just a shot in the dark. Echoes of people behind you with your secrets in their eyes. People in your corner with knives in their pockets whispering sloppy second guesses in your ear. Miss, when the world fires too close to your ship, you put on a poker face. You act like you've been there before, hit. When you hit, you stay silent, detached from the pain. Tell yourself a story of how it builds character, how you will grow from it. Hold the water from welling up. Don't let it swell up. Hold it down and man up. Stand tall and sink slowly. We always fire back. Reciprocate the damage. You see, for hit. And that water begins to rise. You will begin to sink. And when you find yourself sinking alone in the middle of the ocean, it is at that moment that you wish you had another ship to call to. But the sea is riddled with shipwrecks just like you. And the ocean is the only one close enough to hear the call. Maybe I never should have learned how to play this game after all. Wow. <laughs> that was great. Thank you. That was that in your back probably, pocket. <laughs> that was, I mean, you know, and that's one of the fun things about Slam is we memorize a lot of our poems. Um, 
but it's that was one of the more like really deep personal poems um, that I wrote, and it it's a true story. It's a true story of the 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 having visions of my parents' death and seeing a therapist and learning how to play Battleship. Um, ultimately that became the reason why I wanted to go to the therapist because we never had battleship in our house and so I never gotten to play it but I always wanted to and so um it was just I would try to get through every session in order to have enough time to play battleship at the end <laughs> so I never actually got the rest of the lesson I learned about the detachment part but I never got to the second half where it came to like reattaching reconnecting um and everything like that so I have this thing where I am really good at being able to cut things off and detach from them, whether it's emotionally or, you know, personally, I can detach from things fairly easily. And then from there, I've never quite got, I never quite got the hang of reattaching or reconnecting back with those things. Mm. So all because of battleship. And then of course, when you find yourself sinking alone in the middle of the ocean, because you detach from so many other things, then you wish you had somebody else to call to. And that's the point that I don't want to get to. So I wrote that poem to remind myself that this is a lesson that I need to pick up and a lesson that I need to learn. Mm-hmm. And when did you write this poem? I wrote that poem uh, late, actually at the beginning of typography. I wrote that right around um, typography time. So I want to say 2019. Yeah, that's um, when we started. Was yeah. it October of 2019 we started typography? We started around October because I did a performance in... August no no you were already started by then um they started in October so I did a performance in December I believe and that's when I met Celeste and Celeste Mm -hmm. was like hey do you know anybody who could beatbox I was literally only brought in to beatbox for that show no way that was it that was all I was here I was all I was brought in she's like can you beatbox and then like say a couple of lines and then from there it just blew up into what it was but um, yeah because you held such a major role i mean everyone did but your role really stood out so much in typography it really did thank you really really good if I, if nobody has watched it i think it's still up hopefully it's it still up as we um when we release this but um check it out on where, where are we on vimeo is it on vimeo yeah i believe it's on vimeo on YouTube? okay <laughs> i can't keep up anymore <laughs> guys there's too many platforms going on but oh my goodness yeah so what is the title of that um of that poem? That is called Battleship. Battleship. So you titled it Battleship. Mm, I have did. Played the game since. I have. In fact, I I own the game because I found it at <laughs> for three dollars. So I went and bought it. Um, so when I finally make the video for that poem, I'm gonna have the game that I can actually do. So that's what I'm working on now. My my process is, I so I I have a ch- I have a, I have a thing that I wrestle with. Um, internally almost every day, which is feeling the need that I need to create something, Um, especially like obviously having the time and resources. And this is another part of where my balance comes into play um, is that like, for example, the, the album, I, that was a, that was a product of me, like knowing that I had time in the midst of a pandemic. I said, if I don't create something, I feel like I will have wasted my time. And that's a, that's a demon that I wrestle with constantly that is not a healthy way to think um because i never offer myself rest 
because uh, so at the same time I think to myself, okay, now I need to create the next big poem or I need to create, you know, the next video. And I have like, I have an entire videography kit now here uh, <laughs> that I, I'm working on creating you know, like poetry videos and maybe even some videos for my, for my songs, for my album um, and things like that, which is what I'm actually going to do right after I leave here um, is run over to the studio in the Chai main building. But my, my problem is that I never offer myself a chance to rest because when I have time to rest, I feel like I can do something with it. And um, it's, 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 it's something I'm wrestling with and it's something that I'm, I'm working on while also being happy with the things I created. For example, um, I think it was this past Thursday. Uh, it was Thursday. No, Wednesday. It was Wednesday um, and I came home and I was just kind of sitting in the house and I said, I don't really have anything to do today. So I wrote a children's story. <laughs> um, and I saw that. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's called Finn the Fox and his favorite and his, and his uh, Finn the Fox and his uh, trusty toolbox. And um, it's, it's about a, it's everything I try to do is educational as well. Um, and so this one is about, a fox who's a handy crafty crafts fox um and he goes around with his toolbox but he always picks the same tool to use which is a hammer mm -hmm. for anything that he ever encounters he uses a hammer because he doesn't know how to use any other to any other other tools and so um but he but he has the hammer and he, he destroys the entire town um using this hammer for the most minute things um and he causes more damage than he fixes and the town eventually like gets angry at him and everything like that. And the, the moral of the story is, if the only tool that you know how to use is a hammer, then you will treat all of your problems like nails. And it goes mm. into, um, it goes into like obviously education for kids. So you can learn new skills and learn things, then you'll be able to, you'll be able to do more in your life. Um, but it also goes for like adults and businesses where, you know, it goes into creativity. If you only know one way to approach a problem, then you're always going to approach your problems the same way and not right. every problem needs to be approached the same way. And so. So true. So yeah. true. Um, a few of the, a few of the guests on the podcast have talked about, you know, acquiring different tools that they can put in their toolkit along this path of creativity. Mm -hmm. And it has been one of the biggest things and biggest highlights that I have found as I've spoken to artists is just like gathering as many tools as you possibly can to help grow and nurture your creativity is so important. Mm -hmm, it's super important. Mm. So even though you're not getting rest, right? <laughs> even though you're not getting the rest that you that you necessarily want, but you're still creating. Do you think that's more of you, or is that from more outside sources based on like what you've done over the years that you feel like you have to get to, to a certain level? Yeah, it's a little bit of both. Um, because one, I, I do think about, for example, yeah, you, you've created so many things already. Um, and, you know, you, I know that the world hasn't stopped anymore. Um, and so there's, there's, there's a small part of me, and this is, this is another part, there's a small part of me that's really anxious about when the world goes back to normal. Um, because right now in the midst of a pandemic, I have been fortunate enough to be able to work still for Fredonia and to, you know, I still had to commute and still had to work, but I was able to work, but I knew that there was nothing else going on. There was nothing that I was, I have a fear of missing out kind of thing as well. So there's nothing else going on. And so, um, when I was, 
when I'm at home, I know that everyone else is at home as well. So in that sense, I'm thinking to myself, who would I be if I created absolutely nothing in this time? Um, mm -hmm. But also at the same time, I, I acknowledge that there, I don't think there's anybody out there anticipating or expecting me to create anything. Um, it's just something that I've imposed into my own mind of me trying to hold myself up to my own standard um, of creating. And, mm -hmm. you know, it was actually funny enough doing the music and doing, I did some voiceover work earlier this week and like the videos, it is actually, it's a reprieve for me from the poetry um, because a lot of people, when they, when they see me, they expect it here, they expect poetry or, or theater. No one expects music. No one expects, you know, to, you to create something musical yeah. and, or, or even, you know, or even dance related. Um, and so- I'll get you to dance again, don't worry. Oh yeah, no, I plan on it. Oh, you can bet on it. Funny enough, my my history in dance primarily is only from knowing the entire choreography of all of the NSYNC songs. I used to dance to NSYNC songs throughout my entire high school. Oh the my goodness! Concert, I knew that I knew I knew all the choreography, and I know most of it still now. Um, so you know, I, you'll see me on TikTok one of these days doing an NSYNC dance. <laughs> um, like I know him. Yeah, yeah. they're like why are there five of him because there's five people in the group pay attention so um so um yeah it's doing other things it i i find one of the okay so i'll start with this when it comes to rest i often find rest or i find i, I find myself refreshed when i try and experience new things um because one of my biggest fears is and this is something that is really big in me is being stuck in the same pattern, the same rut, doing the same thing over and over and over again every single day. Um, mm -hmm. And I, if I find myself there, that is the one thing that could cause me to kind of like in, a, in my head break down. Um, and so being able to experience something new, being able to go somewhere new, um, that is that is my that's my rest. You know, rest isn't rest for me, but novelty is. And so, um, you know, last two years ago, I took a trip and went to Berlin um, and performed in Berlin and got to do some things out there. Um, you know, now we can't go anywhere because, you know, COVID. So I can't even go to Canada and I can't go to Toronto, which was a getaway. Um, for work, one of, one of my favorite getaways was travel season. We would travel down to the east coast of New York State, Hudson Valley area, and I would spend weeks in hotels. So I'd go there for a week, you know, recruit students and have the evening to myself where I can sit, rack, relax, and create, find a poetry event or whatever, and then come back home for the weekend and go back out. And that was, that was my, that was my, um, that is what rejuvenated me. That gave me the energy to come back here and to keep doing pure ink, to keep doing, um, you know, Fredonia stuff, to keep doing all the stuff that I was involved in. And so um, not having that for a while, it's taken a toll on me, but um, also knowing that, knowing that everything else is shut down around me, I know that I'm not missing anything. And so that was what kind of gave me solace. So it gave me a chance to sit down, stop and reflect internally and try to reconnect to the person that I am on the inside um, mm -hmm. or the person that I, I am on the inside and the person I was even in high school in my early in sync days. And you know, the, my mindsets and the way that I thought and the way that I, um, 
the way that I thought about the world and how I approach things. Um, and it allowed me to reconnect back to that person. And it gave me that peace. It gave me that sense of peace um, because I realized that I've, you often, sometimes you stay so busy in order to distract yourself from the things that are going on in your head or distract mm -hmm. yourself from acknowledging the person that you've become um, over the person that you want to be. And so, um, that was what I was able to kind of look back and reflect on and, and um, make a couple of changes. And now that we are starting to, now that the world is starting to open up, the goal is to make those changes sustainable. And so you get to the point where you don't, I don't, I don't want to do, I'm not going to do things that I don't want to do. <laughs> um, yeah. And, you know, obviously like there's things you have to do, but the things like I, I'm getting comfortable saying no, because that was one of my biggest things. I would not say no to anybody about anything at all. I'm down for it, let's find a way, let's make a way. Um, mm -hmm. And being able to say no um, and finding a way to do that, it makes a difference. And so little things, little big things like that. Um, and also listening to my old songs from high school and just <laughs> sitting in the bathtub and just listening to songs, sh shedding a couple of tears and just kind of reconnecting, you know? I love it, I love it. Tell me one thing that inspires you. Um, one thing that inspires me artistically or just in general? In general, because all that kind of fuses together, I feel. It, it does. Um, honestly, it, it goes back to new experiences. New experiences always, always inspire me. Um, you know, you never quite know what doors something will open and what new things will come out of it. And so that it's, it's often new, new experiences inspire me. Um, change, change inspires me. Change is scary, but it's, it's also, it's an inspirational thing for me, um, which is why I kind of, I, I am, if you, so I have, I have a whole uh, background in my master's degrees in creativity. Um, and one of the things they have is through foresight is called, uh, it's called foresight and they have four different types of people when it comes to addressing issues. Um, there are clarifiers, ideators, developers, and implementers. I'm an ideator. I am that person. I'm like, all right, let's move at a fast pace and let's do all the things. I don't want to get stuck in one approach. I don't want to get stuck in one thing. And when it comes to change, when it comes to new experiences, I do a lot of things in, oh, in hopes for getting new experiences. So mm -hmm. I don't want to be that person that's stuck in an office job doing you know, the same thing every single day, literally like I am right now because we don't have a travel season because of COVID. Um, and so being able to take creativity, be able to take poetry and spoken word, and you know, if I can market it and be able to travel with it, be able to take it to new, uh, new lands, to new places, to meet new people, to have new conversations. That I am really, really big on that. But in order for you to have that, you want to always have a place you can come home to or your home base. And so um, that is, you know, establishing what can be your comfort level, establishing what you have in your base so that you can go out and do these other things and have that experience. I've, I mean, I've contemplated moving to, I've contemplated moving to, to Los Angeles for the last like two months. Um, I'm not gonna do it, but I, because I haven't even been there to visit. I just know that it's new. I just know that it's different. And everyone okay. I know who either lives out there or who has a perception, they said that place is perfect for you. I could probably mm -hmm. go out there and hate it. I don't know. but it's something different. So I want to go out and experience 
LA, like I like I did when I wanted to go perform in like London and Paris and everything like that. Performing there was a brand new experience. I drank wine with complete strangers out of the bottle outside of Notre Dame in the rain and slept, <laughs> slept in a staircase in Paris. Like that was my experience. Wow. And it was it was phenomenal. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's all um, I am I am inspired by novelty. I'm inspired by new experiences and also potential new experiences. So I guess that would be what keeps me going. That's amazing. I love that. I really do. That's so wonderful. Thank you. Aww. <laughs> this was so much fun. Yeah. This I realized I was talking the whole hour away. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Like it just you like I said, you have so much to share and so much that you can offer a lot of people. So I really appreciate you taking the time to be here. Thank you. I appreciate you taking the time to do this, to you know, <laughs> ask these questions and allow me to reflect within myself. Makes what the world of a difference. What inspires <laughs> me? Yes. Well, um, please tell our listeners where they can find out more information about you. And I'll make sure to also drop that into our website as well as the podcast information. Oh, yeah. You can find our website. Uh, it's www.brandonwilliamson.us. I couldn't get brandonwilliamson.com because somebody bought it a long time ago and just won't release it. Um ah. I know there are a lot of Brandon Williamsons out there. Some play baseball, some UFC fighters. I don't know I don't what's know. going on. Like, if you no, find, there's only one I know. I know, right? <laughs> uh, if you want to find me, find like Brandon Williamson poet or Brandon Williamson mm -hmm. poetry, you'll find me that way. Um, but brandonwilliamson.us, you'll have access to a handful of my videos. It'll connect you to where you can buy. I have two books. Um, one of which I did, hashtag products of quarantine. Uh, one of the books I released during the pandemic back in August, which is called A How-To Guide, um, as well as Critical Lens. Uh, Critical I have Lens, out I already. I have an album on Spotify called Instrumental. It's a poetry album, so you can go um, take a look and listen to that as well. Um, I created all that music here in my home studio as well. Um, Amazing. With you know, it, it's a good time. So yeah, take a listen to that because Apple Music gives me constant reminders that no one's listened to it. Um, <laughs> so feel free to go, go and lend the ear and listen to it. And oh, I definitely. Like if the album comes out, people are gonna like gravitate towards it and say, what, there's another album too? Who knew? Um, yeah. So yeah, the album's coming out um, April 1st. So April 1st, yeah. it's called The Plot Twist. The and Plot Twist, yeah. Find it on all streaming platforms. So it'll be on <laughs> Apple, it'll be on, it might even be on YouTube if you want to find it. And then it. your children's book. Oh yeah, children's book. It's not going to be a, it's it's more of a storytelling kind of thing. So um, I, it's, I, I, I was going to, I might end up turning it into a children's book. It's going to be a long children's book. It was, it was, it's a, it's a good size story um, because he goes like, five six different scenarios and they uh it might it might not be as long as i think it is but you know i I'm think gonna, it's kind of like the pooh bear it. series like do you know the pooh bear series where they have like 19 books out mm -hmm. so uh my son just got that as a gift um but and it tells like a different story for each book so you can kind of like that's that's gonna be for the future so i'm gonna <laughs> creative ideas and address them in the different things so the same things that i learned in my creativity stuff i'm gonna put into practice in these books. So I think oh, I love it. this series um, and it's going to be about Finn the Fox and his friends and they're all going to have different things that they they encounter. So we'll I cross that bridge when we get there. to it. 
Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you again for being here and thank you all for listening. Um, I will definitely share some information on how to connect with Mr. Brandon Williamson um, in the in the podcast. All right. Thank you. Thank you.